Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House on day 44 of summer vacation, according to my local school district. Anyway, but today we are tobogganing without even getting out of bed back to 2009 to watch Phineas and Ferb save their town's winter break on their Christmas vacation. I am swinging from the rooftops on a string of Christmas lights like Spider-Man Mike Westfall. And joining me, frantically trying to find out what to get me for Christmas when all I really wanted was him to be on my podcast. Please welcome back Brandon Medley. Hello, Brandon. Oh, there you are, Mike. (laughs) Good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you as always. And he invited himself onto this episode and won't go until he gets some figgy pudding. It's James Riley. Welcome back, James. <laughs> That's closer than I can get. But, but I will admit, I haven't watched a lot of this show. I know the major bullet points. I know what you were trying to do, James. Uh and I know that trying the, very badly. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know the major plot points, thanks largely to Bowling for Soup. But but Brandon, you requested this Christmas special. Did you watch this when it first aired or did you catch it on a rerun? I did. Um, I at that point had been watching a lot of Phineas and Ferb. I really liked it. Um, the later seasons, as it was winding down, I did not keep up with it as much. Um, but I did watch the finale when it aired. But, you know, it's. Every other episode is set during summer vacation. And right. this was a time when it was new, new-ish Disney Channel or Disney XD. And I was, it was right after I finished grad school. I um, was temporary li- temporarily living back home for a bit between jobs. And um, for the first time in several years, had cable since I was at my parents' house. And um, I just, they would air this like huge blocks during the day. I didn't have a job. So you know how Disney Channel just airs like eight episodes something in a row. So I found myself watching these Phineas and Ferb marathons. I got hooked on the show. So I was very excited whenever they had a Christmas special because what better way to really reel me in than with a holiday special? That's how they get you. And you know, in a first show that is set entirely during summer vacation, you know, you first hear a Christmas special and you think, how are they going to do that? Is it going to be like Christmas in July kind of thing? Um that's a plug for the podcast right here. Hey, or um, you know something like Summerween on Gravity Falls, where they have to make up a holiday. But um, I liked how they did it, and they adapted the show fine to fit into Christmas vacation. Yeah. Now, James, you were very excited when I mentioned this was on my list. Tell us your story. So, um, this was one of those things that came out as my kids were starting to get to the point where they could understand certain references and, and, uh, and callbacks and references and all kinds of things in, uh, in cartoons. And I, I mean like Phineas and Verb in general, but like the Christmas uh, special, especially they, they, they looked and they're like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> Cause they would sit there and rewatch things a lot, <laughs> both because Disney XD tends to rerun things all the time, but also yeah. because, yeah, and, and that's good. That's fantastic, honestly. Um, but also because they 
they just like to like DVR it and sit there and rewatch it constantly. So yeah, that sounds um, familiar. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, most kids will. (laughs) So, I mean, it's one of those odd shows and it's like this. And I think gravity falls are the two that, you know, I watched with them and then I sat there and watched the rest of the show myself too. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Gravity falls, especially was a really good one. I wish they'd done some kind of Christmas special because that, that was made by somebody who like absolutely loved twin peaks, X files, all kinds of like other cartoons and 80s stuff growing up. And these guys, uh, uh, the guys who, who made Phineas and Ferb did the same thing. They, they just sat there and piled in reference constantly. Dan Hosenmeyer and Swampy Marsh. Exactly. The guys behind uh, Rocco's Modern Life, actually. Yeah, well, that's a good uh, transition because this was my first time watching this special. So I only have a passing knowledge of the show. So I had to do some digging into the history of Phineas and Co-created by Dan Povenmire and Jeff Swampy Marsh, it ran from 2007 to 2015. Before that, Povenmire had worked on storyboards for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Critic, Hey Arnold, and SpongeBob SquarePants. He and Marsh met while both were working as layout artists for The Simpsons and then worked together as writers on Rocco's Modern Life. They've said they spent 16 years pitching Phineas and Ferb to networks before the Disney Channel finally gave them the green light. This special, Phineas and Ferb Christmas Vacation, debuted December 6, 2009 in the middle of the show's second season. The voice of Phineas, we've been working on a way to seize the day while also not having to get out of bed so early, is Vincent Martella, who was also Jason Todd in two Batman animated movies, Under the Red Hood and Death in the Family, and in Final Fantasy XIII as Hope Estime. I hope I'm pronouncing that because I don't play Final Fantasy. Uh, but Vincent Martella said this is his favorite episode. That's high praise. This is there's a lot of episodes with this show. What, what was it? Uh, something like sixty five a season or something, right? I think so. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Like because I had watched probably a hundred episodes before I kind of stopped following it as closely. Yeah, I think the last one, the the last time I really paid attention too much, and like too much attention <laughs> as a parent. Um, the last time I paid too much attention to it was uh, there uh, across the second dimension or uh, they, they did some kind of movie and it felt like, you know, as much as it was like, Oh yeah, we're going to keep going. It felt like it was kind of, okay guys, we're going to wrap it up now. <laughs> but, okay. uh, but yeah, the, for Vincent to say something like that, that's a, that's high praise because like this, there's a lot of great episodes here. It's a big catalog. Oh Yeah. And Phineas's stepbrother, Ferb, is a boy of few words, but when he speaks, it's the British accent of Thomas Sangster. Take a look at this morning's paper. Thomas Brody Sangster. Thomas Brody Sangster, thank you. And does either of you know what Christmas movie he's in? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Love, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That blew my mind. And he's also in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> and Nanny McPhee and a lot of good movies. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. He's in Nanny McPhee. I forgot about that. I was just 
when I the thing that connected me to oh it's this kid was Love Actually. He's he's Liam Neeson's son Sam who played the drums in the pageant during All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah. Put a pin in that for now cuz we're going to come back to it. But in The Force Awakens he was the first order trooper who reports the tie fighter stolen stolen by Poe and the stormtrooper about to be named Finn. Yep. Because when I saw that movie, like he's, you know, there's a few recognizable faces in small parts as stormtroopers or first order officers. Um, you don't always see their faces, but their right. voices at least. Um, but when he showed up, I was like, it's Ferb. <laughs> you, oh, you knew who he was already. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember when this show started, like I knew who he was, like I had looked up and I was like, oh, that's that kid from Love Actually. Okay. Yeah. When I saw The Force Awakens, I'm like, it's the Love Actually kid. All grown up and turned to the dark side. <laughs> we'll get to the rest of the voices as we go, but that tobogganing without even getting out of bed comment I made at the top is how this special opens on top of a huge ski jump tower the boys, I'm assuming, built themselves in the middle of their neighborhood, just burying a bunch of their neighbors alive under a giant mound of snow, I assume. This is the first episode of the show not set during summer vacation, but rather during the two wondrous weeks of winter vacation. And that called for a special opening, which I liked. I'm very glad this wasn't presented as just another episode, even though it made finding it on Disney Plus a little tricky. I found it. <laughs> yeah, I have owned a digital, like, the digital copy of this on Amazon Prime since it aired in 2009, since 2010. Like the next year I bought it. So now I, I've always like it's in my library there. Um, but I did watch the Disney Plus version tonight. Yeah, I'm probably going to put this in my regular Christmas time rotation as well. Yeah, it's worth it. It's a Absolutely. good one. It is. And so is the, the other uh, uh, vacation, one, the Christmas special that they did. But the other one was actually at least set during like Christmas in July almost. And okay. they actually had a... a they had a guest spot from Kelly Clarkson because they put this on as like a big traditional family, like, you know, a Johnny Cash Christmas kind of vacation thing, you know? Oh. And, and they, they, they were trying to present it as like some kind of variety show. So they had at the end, uh, Kelly Clarkson, but the whole, the joke was that she never actually sang a song. She was just walking around trying to find her, like when she, where she was supposed to stand and what she was supposed to do. Oh, dear. <laughs> I must not have seen that one. I didn't know they had it. Oh Yeah. I also like their Halloween episode where they they did the, they did a similar thing. They didn't do quite the same thing, but they did a similar thing with the intro where they modified it just a little bit. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I like how they modify this intro with you know the two instead of two wondrous months of summer vacation, it's two wondrous weeks of winter vacation. And yes. so you know normally you're giving a mummy a shower, and then they did a giving a yeti a shower, and you get the little visual reference to Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Yes, it's a blink and you miss it shot in this title sequence, but the Yeti comes back, puts a star on top of a tall tree like Bumble. <laughs> there's there's several like little references like that throughout. Yeah, they're um, sprinkled throughout. In the closing credits and throughout the show where they kind of reference more um, classic Christmas, not just specials, but stories, because we get the gift of the Magi thing and all too. Yes. Like every Christmas special. Though. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, so while the boys are out rocketing in their bed toboggans, their parents are stuck at the airport waiting to pick up the boys' grandparents on a flight from across the pond. 
as we're told by Mom, who is voiced by Caroline Ray. Your father and I have to wait here at the airport until they arrive. It may be hours. Who will forever be Hilda from Sabrina the Teenage Witch for me. Exactly. <laughs> she could have had a whole big career with everything else, but that's one thing we all know her from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she spoke to me at a play once. Oh, wow. That we were yeah, sitting I... near each other. Nice. I briefly met her. She was on Letterman the one time I went to a taping, and she said hey to a group of us as we were either coming or going. I don't remember. I pretty much never go out of my way to talk to famous people, so when I do talk to one, it's usually boring. I run into them. I, I used to run into them all the time when I was at NBC. I actually knocked Ben Stiller oh, sure. over at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I was running across. Like I used to work at like at Thirty Rock around the same time they were taping the show. He was doing some kind of bit for um, for Conan, and I'm like running down the hall because there's this big hole. Like the building is like not just a square; it's like a big rectangle that stretches across an entire city block, and right. it's New York City, so it's a big big block. I can imagine. But uh, so I'm like I'm running down the hall. I don't even notice him because I'm trying to get <laughs> I'm trying to get back to my desk so I can take care of like fixing something. I don't even remember what the hell I was doing at that point. But <laughs> I go running past it, like I knock I sh- like I check this guy <laughs> running past him. This guy is maybe like at my shoulder, and I'm like what? So I go to try and pick him up. He's like no no I'm good I'm good don't worry about it. I'm like oh my god it's Ben Stiller. I just knocked over Ben Stiller. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well it's a good thing we know we can take a hit exactly especially from me i'm like a head tall of this yeah, you're, you're a tall dude <laughs> so that's caroline ray she's at the airport on the phone with her eldest daughter candace voiced by ashley tisdale stacy told me that marcus told her that jeremy told him that he got the perfect gift for me Oh, no. How will you manage? Probably best known from High School Musical or The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. That's what I know her from, anyway. Or Phineas and Ferb. Or Phineas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew she had been in High School Musical, but I've never actually watched any of those other things. But So whenever this came out, like, that's just what I've always associated with her then. Yeah, me too. When I saw that she was in Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, for some reason, that's something I've seen one or two episodes of. I forget where I was and who was watching it, but that's what connected me to that. But So Candace is panicking on the phone with her mom because Candace heard her boyfriend Jeremy got her the perfect Christmas gift. And now she needs the perfect gift for him, and she has no idea what to get him. And mom is as interested in this conversation as I am. So she changes the subject. Hey, what are your brothers up to? So now her mission, Candace's mission, that is, is to catch her brothers doing some kind of mischief so she can tell on them. As it is in every episode. Okay, I was going to ask that. As, as people who have watched this show way more than I have, are those her only two moods? Obsess over Jeremy and snitch on her brothers? That's it. Yep. Well, yeah, she's always trying to tell her on them. Like, <laughs> this is a great Christmas special because it, it really fits the holiday, but it also, like, it fits the mold of every episode, too. Like, it hits all the beats that any Phineas and Ferb episode does. Oh, good. Well, of course, it takes Candace entirely too long to walk down a hallway into Phineas and Ferb's room because by the time she gets there and opens the door, they're back in their beds having parachuted themselves safely back in the place. And now the next item on their to-do list is write letters to Santa. Letters to Santa. 
Yeah, that's Candace's reaction multiple times. And it's like it it I think she does it three times because comedy comes in threes. Yeah. Um, I think it's more than threes. It's pretty much every time anyone says that throughout the show. Yeah, it shows up a little later now that you mention it. But she's not laughing for the same reason I'm laughing at them. Candace thinks writing to Santa is for toddlers. I think writing to Santa on Christmas Eve is a little too last minute. It's like writing the letter to Santa at the last second, you know? Come on. Same with Christmas shopping, Candace. This seems to happen in a lot of these specials that I watch. When you were kids, what was the latest you would write to Santa? Ooh. Um, I pretty much wrote to Santa as soon as the Sears wish book came. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I waited for that to come. I sat there and went through with like a, a, a manila pad. I sat there and like wrote everything down. I got everything packed together. And this was probably, what, what would you say, Brandon? You, you got it around uh, mid-November you got it? or cause... It may have been earlier than that. I don't know. I just know I got very excited when it came. And that was when I would, I was thinking of like September, October. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking late September, early October, because it would come out right, right after my birthday in late September. Yeah. I definitely always had it nailed down before Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. My, my parents are probably the ones who were intercepting and were just waiting until they got everything squared away before they were like, Hey, guess what? Uh, look what we, look what came today. Yeah. Today, <laughs> totally today. Not like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. That's yeah. smart. Uh, but I, um, I would watch, and you know, you'd always get the J.C. Penney's one too. You had to compare the two. Yeah, yes, you would. Two just giant catalogs. And you know, I used to like circle what I wanted, but and like part of me always wanted to like tear the pages out and like put them in my letter to Santa, but then I couldn't obsess over looking at the pictures. So I can remember at least once writing down like the catalog numbers in my letter. Yep, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> So I can make sure I got the right, you know, Ghostbusters toy. Sure. You got to be specific in those catalogs. Closest thing I've seen these days is Target has one that they put out, but it's like the size of a magazine or a comic book. Yeah, it's not the same. Amazon does one that's pretty big. I mean, for what we get today, it's the biggest one. And I always take mine to school and my students obsess over it there. (laughs) (laughs) like. They love to look at it, and um, it counts as reading. Yeah, it does. Yep. My kids did that once. Now they've just been grabbing the. Uh, they're all. They've all been using laptops for the past year or two at this point. So now that now I'm getting a Google Docs link with a full list. There you go. <laughs> oh dear, they're old pros now. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I would write to Santa maybe second week of December at the very very latest. Certainly not on Christmas Eve morning in the United States, because as I've mentioned before on this podcast, Santa's already left by then. Oh, yeah. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is midnight the next day in New Zealand. He's out. But the more of these specials I watch, the more I see it happen. So let's say Santa has his ways of keeping track. Candace tries to go the route of, okay, let's assume there is a Santa Claus. And here comes my favorite joke of this whole episode. Of course there is. There's been a ton of reported sightings. Oregon, 1978. Northern Scotland, 1954. The so-called Santa Claus found in Istanbul, 1912. And he shows us a film strip 
of Santa in place of Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and the Shroud of Turin with a Santa hat and beard. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> and he's just like listing off the times and locations where they've been found. It's, it's, right. like, it's like, wow, you really are a track. What the hell? <laughs> But as Phineas points out, like, especially if you've seen the, more of the series, like, it does really make sense that Phineas and Ferb would be big fans of Santa Claus um, because they're always constructing and managing to do these impossible feats using, like, their wit and will and, um, you know, just trying to help other people and um, have fun with things. And that's what Santa does. Oh, yeah. It makes perfect sense the way that he explains it here. Um but those three pinpoints were just perfect because I feel like we've been going about Santa Claus all wrong. We shouldn't be visiting him in malls. We should be assuming he just lives out in the woods somewhere and only <laughs> comes out at night on Christmas Eve. I am 100% on board with cryptid Santa. <laughs> yeah, but I like how they started with like cryptid that they went to like Shroud of Turin. Shroud of Turin, right. <laughs> Sadly, that's where they leave this joke, and Candace remarks at least when kids write to Santa, they tell him exactly what they want. And it takes her a minute, but she has a light bulb moment that she can just convince Jeremy to write Santa a letter to find out what he wants for Christmas. Or Phineas suggests you could just ask him directly and avoid any unnecessary complications. But that would be too easy. Right, we don't have a show if everyone did that. Anyway, that gets to Phineas thinking, well, kids are always asking Santa for things, and he never expects anything in return. And that gives him an idea. Which we'll learn about in a minute, but first we have to introduce the B-plot. Or P-plot, perhaps. We cut to the boy's pet platypus, Perry, who in reality is Secret Agent P, who... I don't think he makes any platypus chattering sounds in this episode here, but when he does, it's coming from the mouth of D. Bradley Baker. The cast of the Bad Batch. The, all of them? Oh, I yeah, guess so. Yeah, he does every clone. Right, because <laughs> yep. he's the voice of every clone in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. At least the animated ones. But that's your touch point? That's your D. Bradley Baker touch point? Well, when Clone Wars, when I was first... You know, Clone Wars and Phineas and Ferb started around the same time, but I didn't get into Clone Wars until later. But when I did, I was like, oh, this is the guy who does the voice of, of Perry the Platypus. Um, but I know he's done a ton of other voice work. But those are my two main points for him. That's the kind of like casting though that I love about the show. They do this kind of stuff that's like completely ridiculous. Uh, it, it's almost like... Um, uh, in South Park, where they did the Sparky, the Sparky the dog, where they had um, uh, George Clooney just bark. <laughs> That's right. And and they have another episode uh, about an alien named Meep, and Meep is just like all the only thing he says is Meep Meep Meep, but it's it it's Lorenzo Lamas doing a Meep, <laughs> and it's like the craziest little like references here and there. It's like oh my goodness, uh, but for me, D. Bradley Baker will always be um, Drew Carey's friend. Okay. For me, he will always be the voice of Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. No way. I had no idea. Oh, oh yes. That was one of his uh, first roles, I think. One of his first voice roles, at least in Orlando. And then I think it was Kirk Fogg who uh, convinced him to move out to L.A. 
I think that he's kind of made a niche in voice acting of doing, I mean, obviously he does amazing voice work because he's managed to carry like every clone in multiple series now of Star Wars animated shows. But um, he has kind of made a niche also of doing kind of voices that aren't voices like Perry, you know? Um, I think he's done some others where it's like more sounds and animal noises and such. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like a, a new generation of Frank Welker, or he's getting there. Yeah. Uh, but some other ones that I found interesting, he's the voice of Cow and Chicken's dad. He was Daffy Duck and Taz in Space Jam. And currently he's the voices of Animal and Sweetums in the new Muppet Babies. Hmm. There you go. That's a range for you. Sure. One of them mentioned him, even though I don't think Perry makes a sound in this special. Here we see him find an old silk cat on the ground and place it on the head of a nearby snowman who springs to life and shouts, Hello! Wintertime's fun! Follow me! Which Perry almost does until the snowman walks into traffic and all we hear is the sound of a passing car and a thump. And then his carrot nose flies back onto the screen at Perry's feet. He picks it up and brings it to the secret underground headquarters of his employer, the Organization Without a Cool Acronym, or ALCA for short. Now, I want to go back to the snowman joke, because it's one yes. of the ones that makes me laugh the hardest. Because whether it's this, or Mean Girls, or Meet Joe Black, <laughs> anytime somebody like steps into traffic and gets plastered by a bus or a car or whatever, I just think it's hilarious. And I know, I mean, it would be horrific if it happened in real life. But in movies and TV shows, even when you don't see it on screen here, I just think it's so funny. Well, it is funny for that, but it's also funny for the fact that it's such an obvious, like, you know, Frosty joke and and take it to the logical extreme of Frosty being a complete dunderhead. (laughs) Yes, and my, um, we have registered my opinion on Frosty on this podcast before, going back to the very beginning. So seeing Frosty get swiped by a vehicle, um, (laughs) okay in my book. No traffic cop to stop him. This is what happens. So Perry's organization that he's uh, a part of, it's an intelligence agency that's made up entirely of animals, except for his superior, Major Monogram, who's voiced by Jeff Swampy Marsh. Ah, Agent P, there you are. Merry Christmas. Oh, great, you brought snacks. And his assistant, Carl, voiced by Tyler Alexander Mann, who is known for this. Oh, a sad Tuscany Christmas. You lucked out, Agent P. Your secret Santa has exquisite taste. I didn't see much else on his IMDb, but... Is he, like, a staff member elsewhere? Uh, he might be. A lot of times whenever you find these guys in the cartoons who do one voice and nothing else. Sure. Or a writer or something, too. So, as Perry, excuse me, Agent P, enters, we discover the agency's Christmas party is in full swing. And there's a secret Santa gift waiting for him in the form of a CD of a Sal Tuscany Christmas. That'll come up later, but uh uh-oh, the Major receives an alert that something's evil's afoot. Possibly. Maybe. Because evil people tend to hate Christmas. And that means Agent P has to go check it out because sometimes Sometimes you have to work on Christmas. Christmas. Sometimes. Sometimes. Has either of you ever had to miss a work holiday party because you had to work? 
I'm a teacher. We are off for two weeks at Christmas. That's true. <laughs> I've been lucky enough not to have any too many uh, holiday parties to attend, but the few, like, honestly, the two that I had uh, were like the same night at NBC. And they were like, they dressed up the, the Studio 8H for um, uh, the, the Saturday Night Live studio. And they just said, hey, go on in after everyone's done. You can have some pizza. I'm like, all right. Nice. <laughs> Our our work holiday parties are mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> like we have to sign in. Well, mine was technically they they said you can attend if you want to, but we'd really rather you just wait till after everyone's gone because the the talent doesn't want people in there. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. When I used to work in radio and TV news, I've had to work during a few holiday parties, so I would have to miss them because broadcast days don't conclude anymore. Mm -mm. Kids, ask your parents. We now cut to Jeremy, who's awoken by a phone call from Candace, and the voice of Jeremy is Mitchell Musso. Hello. Happy Christmas Eve, my little drummer boy. Hey, Candace. You know, I don't play drums. I play guitar. Who's known for this? And he was Hannah Montana's pal Oliver, apparently. He sings the song at the end of this, too, because every Disney Channel child actor needs to have a music career. Have we skipped over any of the songs yet? No, not yet. Uh, one's coming okay. up right after this phone call. Okay, I couldn't remember exactly when this one came because I had something I wanted to mention about this song. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, yeah, Candace calls to ask, what you doing? And if you're a fan of this show, you know that's not her line. It's the boy's friend Isabella's, and we cut to her for like three seconds as she just kind of looks up from her newspaper and psycho violence play. So, what you doing? That's a great joke, but it only works if you've seen any other episode of this first. Yeah, that's what I was, kind of what I was saying before. Like, it works as a Christmas special, and you could watch it as a standalone, but if you are a fan of the show, like, it works perfectly and has so many references to other episodes as well. It definitely caters to, to people who are paying attention, which I like. So Candace convinces Jeremy to get together and write to Santa together and to be very specific within a very reasonable price range for fun. That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> very specific within a very reasonable price range. And after hanging up, here's where Candace gets to sing. What kind of Mike, you may, since you're not as familiar with the rest of the series, you may not realize like there was a there was a song in every episode. Yes, an original oh. song. Okay. Um, started from one of the first episodes where they had I think the first song was "Squirrels in My Pants." <laughs> yes. And it was really funny, and the Disney execs were like, "Can you do that every time?" And so they said, "Sure." And then they later talked about how they were like, "You didn't really know what we were committing to," but <laughs> any of the Phineas and Ferb soundtracks are really fun, and um. So this one, it's not just singing and songs. I mean, they have a lot of songs in this one, but it's not just because it's Christmas that it's a musical episode. Like this would have been another like norm for the series. Yeah, they do. They do this. I want to say at least one song per every every episode. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, past a certain point. Yeah, and then it's it's weird because what was it? Um, was it was it the creators who sat there? And I, I thought it, I read somewhere that it was the two of them. 
the, the Dan and Jeff were the ones who were actually sitting there writing all these songs constantly. I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, That's impressive. I know at least the beginning they were. Well, does this particular song, What Does He Want, remind you of any other specific song? Well, when you say the title now, I immediately think of the um, Garfield oh. Christmas song. <laughs> no. <laughs> what do I want? <laughs> um, but I, but tune-wise, I'm not sure. All I hear is Monster Mash. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I it's Monster How Mash. How did I miss that? Oh I mean, God. it's a, it's a very common late 50s, early 60s rock and roll beat, but... Like the tempo and the cadence and everything is just very close to Monster Mash. I love when she's listing all the things he might want, and it's like DVD and stuff like a teenage boy in 2009 might be into. But then there's and a t- or a tube of grout. <laughs> That's or, right. or the or the the big mouth singing Billy Bass with his the guitar. Yeah, and everything. they call it a trout, so it can rhyme <laughs> with grout. Naturally, it worked. But apparently this song was not part of the original broadcast. It got cut for time. Now, see, I noticed, okay, I noticed that on Disney Plus that it said extended edition. Yeah, this is And when I saw that, I vaguely remembered that there was extended edition and regular. But I guess the digital version I have must be the extended edition. But I was trying to remember when they aired it. I remember this aired, and I was trying to remember exactly what was cut and what was the extended parts. I remember when this aired, like they aired it. I couldn't remember if they aired the extended version first, like in a special time slot, and then cut it down for time to air, like in the normal rerun slots in their normal time frame, or if it was vice versa. If, like, after it did well, then they released the extended version. What I read was that it was cut in the original broadcast, they added it back in reruns, but not on some DVD releases of the special. Some, I think, do have it, and here it is on Disney+. Plus. So, hey, fans of When Love is Gone and the Muppet Christmas Carol, they can totally do this. <laughs> they are doing it for Muppets. So <laughs> I'm told. I'm, here's hoping. They, they announced it, like Brian Henson said. Good. <laughs> for the updated Blu-ray director's cut edition final cut uh, Snyder cut version of the <laughs> the 4K <Hey>. release. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> well, let's check back in on Phineas and Ferb, whose plan to give back to Santa was to build a full-sized house on top of their actual house. It's not a clubhouse. As his pal Buford assumes, it's a rest stop for Santa. And guys, it's kind of incredible. So in this whole sequence, he talks about like, you know, when you get your presents from Santa, did you ever say thank you? And so I wanted to ask y'all, did you ever write a thank you note to Santa? Can't say that I ever have, no. No, I don't think I have. Maybe. I did. Yes! (laughs) Oh my God, of course. (laughs) Um, At least one year. I remember doing it. I was probably first or second grade. I was almost to sit down and write a letter by myself, but I wasn't very old. Um. And I remember doing it because I remember asking my mom because like, not, and she didn't tell me to, but like anytime like I had a birthday or somebody sent me a gift, I was always, any other time I was ex- told to and expected to. So I was like, well, I should do it to him. I remember when I was like a teenager in college and like cleaning out something at the house and I found it where like my parents have kept it. <laughs> oh, awesome. 
Like, there's video of evidence uh, because my dad would bring the video camera every Christmas morning that he had one. And there's we would say, thank you, Santa, into the camera, but that's it. Oh, yeah, same yeah. here. Absolutely. And to Phineas's friend's point, like, that wasn't part of the deal that we were taught. But this clubhouse, it's got a very convenient ramp. Not very a clubhouse. Well lit. Not a clubhouse, excuse me. It's a rest area. This rest stop for Santa. It's got a convenient ramp and it's well lit with a giant welcome Santa sign. Highlights include sauna, massage table, satellite television, elliptical machine to work off all the milk and cookies, milk and cookies, reindeer feeding station, and of course, beard purifier. I'm very impressed and all in several hours work. So, yeah, three of the boys' friends are are here now. Let's meet him. We have Buford. So what you're saying is it's not a clubhouse. His voice is Bobby Gaylor, who is an actor best known for this role. But as a writer, he's he's written quite a few episodes of this show, plus episodes of Roseanne and the Bernie Mac show and Becker. Okay. And most recently, he's worked on the new Snoopy show. There's a new Snoopy show? Uh, yeah, I think it might be on, I um, think it might be an Apple, Apple TV Plus, Plus exclusive, uh, okay. which I don't have, so I haven't seen it. It's not worth subscribing to Apple Plus just for that. Oh, uh, okay. But if you subscribe for Ted Lasso, you know, check it out. <laughs> well, all right. So Buford, despite being pals with Phineas and Ferb, is a bully by nature to everyone else. But he's not worried about Christmas yet because every year he simply performs a last-minute act of kindness to counteract a year's worth of naughtiness. Great message for the kids, Buford. Next we have Baljeet, who is voiced by Molik Pancholi. All I want is one sweet, special Christmas kiss under the mistletoe. Whom I recognized from 30 Rock as Jack Donaghy's assistant, Jonathan. I never knew that was the same guy. Same guy. I love 30 Rock. Baljeet is also... (laughs) He's also popped up in the pilot for Star Trek Discovery. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's a doctor. (laughs) Hey, all right. And finally, the aforementioned Isabella, who is voiced by Allison Stoner. Um, we don't celebrate Christmas, but I got the coolest stuff for Hanukkah. Eight straight days of dreams come true. I mean, I'm with you guys. Boo, no Christmas. She was on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody as well. She was on Cheaper by the Dozen movies with Steve Martin and is the current voice of Kyrie in the Kingdom Hearts games. Okay, I knew she had been a Disney Channel kid. Yep. Voice actress but I didn't know she was in the other things. So Phineas explains to his friends it's time they did something cool for Santa to show them they appreciate everything else he does for them. This is quite a wholesome special. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the point of like Phineas and Ferb in the first place is a lot of what they did, heck, the, the, the very first episode when they built the roller coaster, they built it for like to run to like do run a roller coaster all around town with their friends and they like, they're not charging for it. They're every one of these big projects that they take on, they, they invite all their friends over. They don't sit there and say, well, you know, let's, let's, let's charge it, charge admission. No, come on in, have fun. Let's go. Yeah. And, and wacky hijinks always ensue, of course, but they're never like, because they're mean or mean spirited. You know, I mentioned Ted Lasso a minute ago, but Phineas and Ferb fits that same kind of like, Awesome. They're just good guys that are trying to help people out kind of thing as Ted Lasso or or um, Leslie Nope or somebody. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, they're not schemes. They're just 
and just trying to make the most of the day. Seize yeah. the day, carpe diem kind of stuff. They are quite the day Caesars. And the plan this day is to decorate their entire city into a giant shimmering thank you card for Santa. And we'll check back in on their progress later, but first, we must make a required stop at Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. <laughs> Where Perry the Platypus bursts in only to find his nemesis, Doofenshmirtz, has been waiting for him and promptly traps him in a Christmas tree stand and wraps him in a string of lights. I admire an evil scientist who acts festive theming to his traps. And he puts a partridge on him, so it's like a partridge in a pear tree. And a partridge on a parry. The platypus. And the voice of Doofenshmirtz is Dan Povenmire himself. I always thought he sounded like an impression of an impression of an Adam Sandler character. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I never really, I never really considered what he was supposed to be doing. I, I figured he was always just like middle-aged guy, you know. Yeah, I think it's just a voice he does. He just always sounds like, like classic cartoon mad scientist kind of voice. Yeah. I would say it's iconic at this point. Like, it's become this very imageable voice of its own. Oh, yeah. But it was definitely either referencing, I don't you know, like something from Saturday mornings back when we were all kids. And with Perry tied up, Doofenshmirtz shows him the Nautianator, which looks like a giant egg beater and is capable of creating a cloud of naughtiness large enough to trick Santa into thinking the entire city has been naughty. Like a weird baking-themed version of the Riddler's brainwave box from Batman Forever. That's exactly what I was thinking, honestly. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad. Well, mostly because the boys, like, they just watch—they just watched that, that one for the first time, and and I, I'm watching this with fresh eyes. I'm like, oh my goodness! <laughs> it just something made me think of exactly that, and I have not seen Batman Forever recently. Uh, but the only catch to this plan is Doofenshmirtz doesn't actually hate Christmas. He's just doing this for acceptance into the evil scientist community. He does, however, have a bone to pick with every other holiday and a song to go with it. You see, Valentine's is torture and my birthday is a mess. New Year's is a lot of noise and Arbor Day's a pest. Halloween's a horror, but I guess I must confess that I really don't hate Christmas. I like how in this song and in Candace's earlier song, there's like background singers, dancers, and so dancers who um, are dressed like the mean girls in their Christmas performance. Yeah, and I think it's like the same set of girls, too. Yeah. In both songs. They just show up again here. It struck me as kind of like... Um, a- Another uh, love actually the callback the Billy Mac back backup dancers. Oh yeah, they yep yeah. that too. <laughs> They're like he just has this intense burning indifference to Christmas. Yes. <laughs> well, and this is a bit of an unofficial trope we've encountered before. Sing about other holidays during the Christmas special. Yeah. Two that stick out to me. Uh, one during Twas the Night Before Christmas, the song Give Your Heart a Try does it. How about fairies and leprechauns on St. Patrick's Day? And in Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, Oscar the Grouch tells us he's not crazy about Thanksgiving or Labor Day either. <laughs> Meanwhile, Phineas and Ferb have managed to gather a big crowd to help them turn the city into a giant thank you card for Santa with a sign that reads Operation Bright Lights Big Belly. And then we're treated to Decoration by Montage with a song called That Christmas Feeling. We're hanging the star from 
And the song is sung by Olivia Olsen, who voices Doofenshmirtz's daughter Vanessa, a character not seen in this special. But remember that pin we put in Love Actually? Olivia Olsen was the girl who sang All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah. And Thomas Brody Sangster's character's crush. As soon as you said her name, I was like, that's the girl from that movie. Yeah. (laughs) And... Apparently, in an episode of Phineas and Ferb sent 10 years in the future, showed Vanessa and Ferb start a relationship in this, too. So that's neat. That's one of those things that, like, they they were kind of referring to throughout the show, though. Like, eventually, like, Ferb does wind up with, uh, you know, they, they, they hinted at it, like, a couple times. In fact, a, episode, a couple episodes before this one, um, like a... It, it was an episode where they went 20 years in the future and they were talking, they didn't actually see themselves in the future, but they did like hear about all the things they've done and you know, how like uncle for like uncle Ferb is coming or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like little references that they spread throughout the show. And then eventually they do show that in like near the finale. Oh yeah. God, by the way, this is what happens. To those guys. Nice. So did y'all have a favorite part of this decorating montage? I like the the way they wrap around the tree and then sh- and then shake the building with, with the, almost like a bulldozer thing to get the light just right at the very top. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember it enough, um, like to remember specifics. I remember the song more than anything else. Okay. No, I don't have anything. <laughs> That's Sorry. fine. I have two. First, Isabella hanging giant stockings on a store called Chuck's Mantles, the roof of which is shaped like a giant fireplace followed immediately by Ferb hanging Christmas lights on skyscrapers like he's Spider-Man slinging webs. Yeah, I do like that part. Which is a bit of corporate synergy in 2009, because that was the year Disney bought Marvel. And then about a year later, what was it, a year or two? Probably something like that. They Years actually did a Marvel. They had the and Ferb Marvel. Yeah, exactly, where they, oh, where they showed up, yeah. <laughs> they also have a Star Wars special once. That, that deal went through, too. Well, back at Doofenshmirtz's, he explains to a still-tied-up Perry that what he really wants for Christmas is a reason to hate Christmas. And that reason comes knocking in the form of a group of carolers who make their way into Doofenshmirtz's suite, suggesting they quite literally won't go until they get some figgy pudding. Which, finally, someone's called out that song. Yes, I've always liked that because that's always the thing with this song. It's like... I, I, I know the history behind why you have a song about this, but in modern times, it just seems so rude. <laughs> and I like that he says that here. The first time I heard those lines was on the, the John Denver and the Muppets album, and it's Animal like literally screaming, Wild cow! <laughs> and now Doofenshmirtz has a reason to hate Christmas enough to push the button on his naughtyinator. And it works as advertised. It creates a thundercloud of naughtiness that's picked up by some radar device at Santa's workshop. And all of a sudden, a fleet of mail trucks shows up with everyone's letters to Santa marked Return to Center. Letters to Santa. <laughs> <laughs> well, this really is the plot of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Needs more clocks. 
I will point out the voice of the mailman who returns everyone's letters is David Deloise. I'm sorry, kids. Looks like everyone in Danville got a return on their letters to Santa. They've all been stamped naughty. Well, around this time was playing the dad in Disney's Wizards of Waverly place. And Phineas is very confused as to why Santa thinks the whole town's been naughty and Candace is sure it's his fault for getting the whole town involved in their decorating scheme. And that's where we cut to commercial. Phineas and Ferb will return here on Disney Channel. <laughs> Ever wonder what Santa would do without his elves? The Sears Wishbook. Just make a list, check it twice, then call 1 800 366 3000. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every order is backed by Sears, and Sears delivers anywhere. Of course, the elves would never leave Santa holding the bag. But it's nice to know he has a backup plan. Now, we're back to Phineas and Fern on Disney Channel. And when we come back, Phineas is back in bed, wakes up with a start, and says, It was all a bad dream! But his friends are right there to assure him, No, it wasn't. Stop trying that. Also, it's not his bed. They're in a mattress section of the mall. Meanwhile, Candace is still trying to get Jeremy to tell her what he wants for Christmas without straight up asking what he wants for Christmas. They get in one of those, I just want you to tell me what you want fight. And that ends with Jeremy going home to comfort his sister after the Santa letters thing. And then Phineas leads his pals in a song asking, where did we go wrong? How could we be naughty when I thought we'd been so nice? Could we have been blinded to some little hidden vice? Did our visions of sugar plums not dance like they should? I'm racking my brain here, I really thought we were good. These are pretty simple songs, not showstoppers, but they don't feel out of place or bad at all. Uh, that's one of these that it's like on my like NASA Christmas playlist. Like, it always gets stuck in my head. Like, every time I hear it, I can start singing along. <laughs> oh, so far, my favorite is Candace's. So far. Yeah, it's not even my favorite from here, but I just, it gets, for some reason, I find myself singing a lot throughout the year. Okay. <laughs> but Phineas is not giving up yet. He has an idea involving the local radio station. As Ferb installs a very, very large wire hanger on top of the station's transmitter to boost the signal. Don't try that at home, children. No wire hangers. Ever. It doesn't work, trust me. <laughs> there you go. You would know. I just like that they have this giant hanger. I mean, I know that's a Phineas and Ferb thing, but it's not like they built something. It's just, oh, we already had it. <laughs> it's in the closet. And next up is the gang leading the entire town in the song called Danville for Niceness. Everybody's saying we're naughty. It's getting really hard to take. So we've come to let the whole world know there must have been a mistake. Which is a clear reference for the grown-ups watching because even the logo <laughs> looks like the one for USA for Africa. The super group behind We Are the World. And you see characters that we've seen in previous episodes in there too oh do you yeah 
I immediately recognized that USA for Africa call in the logo even because that's something my parents taped and I watched it a lot for some reason. It was a big deal in 1985. I think it's still in the top 10 best-selling physical singles of all time. It's up there. I'm not sure if it's like the, the, the in the top 10 or 15 even, but it's definitely up there. Um, my my I looked at that and my first thought being, I, I remember it, but I remember the Simpsons knockoff of it more. <laughs> we said they were love down that well. <laughs> Didn't think that would cut up twice this season, but hey, we made it. There you go. <laughs> well, we quickly check in on Doofenshmirtz, who happens to find a whole giant can of figgy pudding in his fridge, and that makes the carolers go away. Bad like. I like whenever the 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 can says, "You know, piggy pudding for when you gotta go," <laughs> <laughs> which works on double level here because it's for when the carolers gotta go, but also when you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had or even seen figgy pudding, but I'm sure that's a good use for figgy pudding. I feel like I might have eaten it at Epcot. Oh man. I've definitely had those types of puddings at Epcot. I don't know if it was sticky pudding. Now I gotta go over to Epcot this... Well, I'll be there anyway. Because <laughs> I assume that it's something like those like British-style puddings in the little cake. Sure. They must have that out at the UK Pavilion now that you mention it, and I just haven't gotten around there. Yeah. I feel... I know I've had some type of pudding there, but I feel like one of the times when we ate at the Rose and Crown Pub was like as part of the dinner package for the candlelight processional. Oh, well then and we yeah. had some kind of Christmas themed meal. And I feel like we might have had baby pudding. In. See, when I did the candlelight processional dinner package, I went to Mexico because that's my favorite pavilion. I went to the one I could get a reservation. at. <laughs> the, well, good point. <laughs> I was doing it kind of last minute. Yeah, that's how it works. I'm going to have to put that on the list. We're, we're planning eventually on either driving or flying down to Florida to visit my uh, my wife's uh, grandmother. And we were planning on taking the kids eventually to uh, to Disney. But we're not sure when or where the heck this is going to happen. So this is like, put a pin I in it. I love going later. to Christmas. And Epcot World Showcase is my favorite part of Disney at Christmas. And the Candlelight Processional is a great show. Yes, if you... Go to Walt Disney World around Christmas time. I highly, highly, highly recommend Candlelight Processional. You don't have to do the dinner package if you don't want. You can just walk up and it's there, but they have a celebrity read their version of the nativity story. I went and it was Neil Patrick Harris, and it just, it's so great. They have like a tree choir singing a bunch of Christmas carols, and it's, it's so good. Yeah, I saw Jody Benson was our narrator. Ooh. That's right. There you go. And, um, but I know like Edward James Olmos comes every year and does it. And Neil Patrick Harris is a regular. I think Whoopi Goldberg's done it. Um, a lot of singers, like country singers, and a lot of the Disney voice actresses and uh, actors knock. Um, so they'll always have like a list of them there, and they'll be there for like several nights in a row. Oh, yeah. But if you get the dinner package, if you're going to, I know I'm digressing here, but if you're going to eat a meal <laughs> in Epcot anyway, try to get the dinner package because then you get like 
front row seating or not front row, but you know, like you get first choice of seating. You get to sit. Yeah. Versus standing in the back outside right. of the amphitheater. Yep. One place I will recommend that I know that I know the only place I know down there. Um, and I'll only recommend it as kind of my brother works there. He's a, uh, Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Raglan Road. Yep. Oh yeah, I've never actually been in there. James's brother's a dancer at Raglan Road. Cool. And that does in any other context that would sound kind of bad, but it's Irish step dancing <laughs> and he dances on tables, so it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I'm familiar with what it is. I've just never actually been. Well, yeah, but I mean most people listening would be like his brother's a yeah. dancer at a bar. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I forget that everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but back to this song, I did it did get the attention of a pair of elves at the North Pole who notice all these last-minute naughties came from the same place, so they go to check it out. And we see them notice a sudden surge of naughtiness and later watch the Danville for Niceness song on TV. But when they show up and find Phineas Ferb and friends, the elves are really tiny, like Smurf tiny. Yeah. I like also in the elf scene, it's actually in the previous elf scene where like the other elf comes up and starts talking about how the the older elf got his nickname and he just goes on and on and then the other kids and he's got that little part where he says something about just go up and talk to the first person you see. That's how you make friends. That's what they said last time I ever go to a seminar. <laughs> he wasn't always that way. In fact, he used to love kids. In fact, he used to be where the action is, toy making. In fact, he was the fastest and best toy maker of them all. In fact, they used to call him Cluent, the fastest best toy maker of them all, though they just called him Cluent for short, which also happens to be his name. So the nickname thing was kind of a moot point. In fact. So the voice of that guy is uh, Darren Norris, who is Cosmo and Fairly Odd Parents. Seriously? You can kind of hear it in this way. Well, uh, in fact, yeah, he's uh, he's Cosmo and Mr. Turner in Fairly Odd Parents. There you go. And a bunch of other things, but that's what stood out to me. Uh, but the two elves that we see more of, it's there's a younger one named Blaine and an older, crankier one named Cluent, and they are voiced respectively by the British comedy duo of Matthew Horn and Bruce McKinnon. Ah, a bunch of last-minute naughties. It's a shame, huh, Cluent? Kids! They get worse every year! The ungrateful little... I'm gonna go and sit in the dark and mumble to myself. Matthew Horn is best known in the UK as the Gavin of the BBC's Gavin and Stacey. Bruce McKinnon's first TV role was in the original Office as a character called Jimmy the Perv. I remember Jimmy the Perv. And he was in Guardians of the Galaxy as that guy with one removable eye that Rocket really wants to steal. (laughs) So these elves realize there has to have been a mistake for a whole city to suddenly get classified as naughty at the exact same time from the exact same location. And when it comes to naughtiness, Santa is very forgiving. In this case, the elves say their reading seemed to indicate the city itself is the source of the naughtiness. Which brings us back over the Doofenshmirtz for a bit, who stops Perry from escaping, and the platypus drops his secret Santa gift, the copy of the Sal Tuscany CD. So Doofenshmirtz decides to put it on to enjoy the last few hours before Christmas officially doesn't come. But when he turns up the volume, Sal Tuscany's powerful tenor singing voice shatters the glass of the Naughtyinator's giant naughty juice jars. Christmas cannot be destroyed! 
Okay, so we'll have Christmas. I simply don't care. Perry knocks him out with what I'm pretty sure was a Shoryuken, and we move on. That sorts things out on the elves' readings, and everyone's nice again, except Buford. He hasn't done his act of kindness yet. But as the elves point out, and as I've already pointed out, Santa's left already. And apparently in this universe, that's too late to contact him when he's en route. But Cluent kind of mentally nudges Phineas into doing something about it himself, and the plan is on to deliver Christmas gifts to everyone in Danville. Ferb makes his own replica sleigh complete with a Christmas cannon to deliver the gifts the elves will make as quickly as they can. While Phineas drives, Candace keeps track of who gets what, Isabella and Buford rap, Baljeet feeds the wrapped gifts into the Christmas cannon, and how has this not been in a longer movie about Santa yet? <laughs> this is a great plot. All kinds of twists and turns here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's more that, you know, you you don't, you know, when most people approach a Christmas special, they're not approaching it as, let me make the best, like, drawn out all kinds of, like, weird things can happen in a Christmas special thing. They're approaching it as, I need to write this and I need to get this done and let me get out of here, please. I guess so. I guess I'm not used to seeing a team that saves Santa or a team that saves Christmas. This is another of those things that comes up in a lot of Phineas Perp episodes where things get very complicated at the end and the plots intersect a lot and they really go ratcheted up here um, with how the A plot and B plot come together. Okay. Well, the team takes to the sky, but no one's lights are on because they think that Santa's not coming. So Phineas can't see where he's going. And here comes Buford's good deed. He gets dropped off to warn the whole town Paul Revere style that Christmas is coming. Turn on your lights. And it's enough to part the dang clouds and the elves manually set his status to nice for a job well done. And it's revealed that what Buford wanted for Christmas was for his friends to think of him as nice, so check. The little fanfare here is all the lights turn on. Remind me of the music from Elf, the da-da. It's not exact, but it's close. Wow, Buford did it, but it still says he's naughty. Oh, what the heck? It's Christmas. Very close. I would would say this probably... This is probably the elf reference with that that music. Oh, yeah. Because they gotta squeeze something like that in here. Mm Mm-hmm. And here comes another montage, and it's a song I didn't realize was written for this special. Yeah. It's Big Bad Voodoo Daddy singing Christmas is Starting Now. Grab some holly and mistletoe, cause we're gonna go out tonight. A song that my wife and I have danced to many times <laughs> oh. under the late, great Osborne Light. <sighs> drunk on eggnog <laughs> at Hollywood Studios. <laughs> That's um, probably where I know this song too. Yeah, but like, I, I was just, I was glad that this became kind of a Christmas standard. Like, you don't just hear it at Disney World, which makes sense because it's from a Disney special, but like, you'll hear it in malls and stuff and on the radio and stuff. Because this, like I said, I had, I had the soundtrack to the special that I got shortly after it aired, like on a physical CD. Um, by, by the next Christmas, at least they had that out and I bought it. Um, but I, I like all the songs in this, but that was, of course, you know, the favorite because that's the, that's the jam out of the bunch. Um, 
so I was glad that it became kind of, you know, it became a, like, even people who don't know the special know the song. Yeah, well, I was one of those people, because this has become a legitimate hit. They played it in church one time. In church? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but for like, the, for, like, the kids' Christmas Eve, Mazzy, like, put the song on and have the kids all come up during a homily. <laughs> okay, when I've directed a Christmas pageant in church before, I ended it with, um, See you on Stevens' Come On with the Party to the Elf Dance. So There you go. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea it debuted in this special, but it fits. It's not like an out-of-place thing. It, it feels like it should be part of this, but it also stands on its own very, very, very well. Put it on your playlist, everybody. Yeah, and, and it's, a little, it's a little naughty, too. You know, like, shake your jingle bell in my direction. Um, yeah. It's a very flirty line <laughs> that I like. <laughs> That I will always sing to, to my wife when we're dancing to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of me living in Florida, something not too many of us have here is a fireplace and therefore no chimney. And Ferb answers the question of how does Santa do his job quite nicely with a gift-wrapped chimney that's dropped onto a house and opens up on a spot for gifts to make their way down it. Which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, I always appreciate when shows answer that because I grew up in a house without a chimney too. And uh, I used to be very concerned about that. I like the, this is a little better of a response than uh, the Santa Claus, where he just squeezes down an exhaust pipe and magically the whole thing turns into a fireplace while he's there and it goes back to normal when he, when he leaves. It's like, okay, that's that's not quite a, a, a clean explanation, but hey, I guess it works for kids' logic. They addressed it, at least. <laughs> there you go. Look what we can do with computers now. Yeah. While they're doing this run, Candace checks Jeremy's name, and it turns out she already did get him what he wants, so they can skip him. And they get to the final present, a really big one that gets stuck in the cannon. What is it? Well, it's a really big hat for a Wendy Stinglehopper, who's a pretty girl on the school math team. And suddenly it's Baljeet to the rescue, who shoves the box through, but ends up going through the cannon himself. And he hangs on for dear life as the box parachutes straight down Wendy's chimney with Baljeet having no choice but to deliver it to Wendy himself. Baljeet? Oh, uh, hi, Wendy. Did anyone order a really big hat? <coughs> My hat! Oh, how can I ever thank you? And the voice of Wendy is Ariel Winter, best known as Alex on Modern oh, Family hey. and the voice of Sophia the First. There you go. <laughs> Hey, I didn't know that was her. Very well known in my household, at least. I have a couple of big Sophia the First fans. <laughs> That's the one thing I like. I, I got boys, so yeah. they're not watching <laughs> that. <laughs> Wendy's so excited about her hat, and how can she ever thank Baljeet? And oh, look, mistletoe. And Baljeet gets his kiss. What a guy. So everyone's really lucking out on getting exactly what they want. Even Duvenschmertz, who is now himself tied up in his own lights and tree stand by Perry, who just leaves him like that. And Duvenschmertz says he hates Christmas, followed by, Yes, I hate Christmas! This is the best Christmas ever! So a job well done all around. And Phineas lands the sleigh in front of his house. And Baljeet meets them there to note, Hey, your house is on fire. 
But no, it's not fire, it's steam. Steam from the steamed clams we're having. From the sauna in the boys' rest stop for Santa, because he's in there using it. And the beard steamer. And the beard steamer. Because he comes out and he's like, his beard's all perfect. His steam is just what I needed. Yes, thanks them for doing the Danville run for him. And the voice of Santa is Clancy Brown. We thought you weren't coming to Danville. And pass up on enjoying this cool rest stop you made me? Ho ho ho, unthinkable. And thanks for doing the Danville run for me. Who's got quite a list of credits, but I want to know how you guys know Clancy Brown, if you know Clancy Brown. The first time I remember actually like seeing his name in the credits was the first time I saw Highlander <laughs> on like Channel 11. And I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, Clancy Brown. Okay, that seems like I'm uh, like this guy's weird. What the hell? He, he's because in real life, he actually is like really tall, really jacked, and you know that the character he played in there, the bad guy, that's not like any kind of makeup or anything. That's actually his physical. Like he is that big, and he is that like like that well like yeah built. Yeah, he's, he's Kirkin from Highlander, a Santa Claus here, folks. <laughs> I know. I first knew Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor on Superman the Animated Series. Okay. Yep. Um, but yep. my and he, now you know he's one of those people that even my wife from watching things of me has like learned Clancy Brown. So like she was the one who actually said that's Clancy Brown at Santa. She noticed it in the credits before I did. Um, but I think my big touch points for him are Lex Luthor, Mister Krabs. He's Mister Krabs. Yep. And <laughs> this is like out of all his filmography, probably one of the smaller things on there, but as the sheriff on Sleepy Hollow. Yes. The Fox yes. from a few years ago. Wow. Oh my God. I, I love that show. And I he, loved him it, in it. It was an awesome show. And he, he gets killed off very early on, but like he keeps coming back in like memories and flashbacks. And he's a very important character. Yes. Even though he had a small role on the show. Huh? My Clancy Brown touch points are rawhide and the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. And the prison guard Captain Hadley in the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. yeah. It's been so long since I've seen any of those, but I didn't know that was. And now he's Santa, and he's a pretty great Santa. Yeah, I mean, really, he's, he's he does a great job here. He does. He's got like that. He doesn't really have to do much to his voice to do this. No, if he was a bigger part of this, he might be an all timer. Get Clancy oh, yeah. Brown to be Santa again in something, please. Yeah. He's also a pretty great Sal Tuscany, which is an anagram of Santa Claus with an extra Y, we find out. And and wasn't he also in an episode of The Mandalorian? Might have been. I, I think so. He was that um, big Deveronian in the Prison Break episode. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Berg. Berg, yep. yep. I'm sorry, you know, I always got to bring it back to Star Wars. No, that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) It works. So next, Candace and Jeremy meet up. And you know what would be funny to squeeze in right at the end for no reason? A gift of the Magi joke. (laughs) So it turns out Jeremy's gift to Candace was a pair of earrings he remembered she liked that matched her necklace. But to afford them, he needed to sell his guitar. But oh, hey, the gift... Candace was complaining was too predictable and not perfect. It was a new guitar, <laughs> which she sold her necklace to buy. So neat. But I like how they just really shoved it in there really quickly. It's just like, and we did gift Magi now. 
And finally, the question remains, what did Phineas wish for for Christmas? And it's Santa who asks to read his letter aloud. All I want for Christmas this year is a chance to be like you. I'm feeling my feelings, you guys. Not supposed to make me want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Ferb got a harmonica he wanted. (laughs) Which was a great reveal. They ask what Ferb won, and he holds up the day's newspaper with the headline, World Peace! But he's actually pointing to an article in the corner. Local boy gets harmonica! (laughs) So Santa heads home, conveniently ties the rest stop to the back of his sleigh to bring to the North Pole and use it as a clubhouse. Now it's a clubhouse. He, he does what is perfunctory part of every Phineas and Ferb episode and takes the, the big thing that his parents are going to notice away so that they can't possibly look and say, what, what exactly are you talking about, Candace? Yeah. What's going on? There's nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just in time, because we wrap things up with the boys' parents finally arriving home with grandparents. So let me shout out two more voices. Grandpa is Malcolm McDowell. Hey, kiddies. Merry Christmas. And Grandma, who also made figgy pudding. I made figgy pudding. Is Jane Carr, who Wikipedia says she's best known from the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy as Puddin, which might be why she made figgy pudding. Mm-hmm. Uh, IMDb's known for section leads with Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. You know the scene where everybody sees Dr. Evil's very phallic rocket ship in the sky? Yep. Mm -hmm. She's a bird watcher who shouts pecker. (laughs) That's the first thing that IMDb says she's known for. Jane Carr. And then we end with a montage with a song by Jeremy, or at least by Mitchell Musso, called Thank You, Santa. Christmas morning, so much fun. Down the stairs, the children run. Someone has eaten the cookies. And look what's left under the tree. There's presents for you and for me. As everyone opens gifts and the gang does the peanuts dance for a hot second, and everyone opening gifts is like someone who's been on a previous episode. Like these one-off characters. Oh, okay. Because there were some people there. I'm like, what is that thing? Yeah. So like some of them are not people who are in this episode, but they have been in previous episodes. Okay. To show that they got everybody. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like Phineas and Ferb over time builds up like a lot of these shows do, like Gravity Falls does. But, you know, like the Simpsons where sure. you know, eventually you just know everybody. Yeah. They throw a lot of references in there, yeah. And this is one of those times okay. where they like reference a lot of the previous episodes in those closing credits. Like his his mom gets a, a t-shirt from when she was a on tour. Exactly, yes. <laughs> That's a really good episode too, Mike. If you want to go back and watch it, it's like um, there's an episode where kind of that mom was like a big like 80s singer back in the day. Oh, on the list, not this list, a different list. Yeah, they they make a point to make to give her like a wonderful like comeback tour at the mall and everything. Yeah, and like another guy they they have in here is um their na- the next door neighbor who isn't voiced here, but like when he does have a voice, it's it's Jack McBrayer, the uh, the <laughs> yeah. Kenneth the Page, yes. and yeah. Fix It Felix Junior. Fix It Felix Junior. from the game Fix It Felix Junior. <laughs> One notable thing I saw 
in some wiki trivia, Doofenshmirtz gives Perry the platypus a vase, and that's apparently a callback to an earlier episode where Major Monogram's been monitoring Doofenshmirtz's internet activity and says, well, we know what you're getting for Christmas. Don't ask. <laughs> Our lips are sealed. It's a vase. <laughs> so I'm sure those who noticed got a kick out of that. I'm not sure if I've ever noticed that joke before. Um, I like that. <laughs> okay. But this was fun. I'm definitely going to throw this into my annual rotation. Uh, yeah, this definitely belongs in your annual rotation. Um, this would be one of those that if you, if it had aired in the 80s, it would have been on your VHS tape. Yes. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. Probably. But thank you guys for being so enthusiastic about it. Yeah, more and more, like, newer shows, like their Christmas specials, if they have them, just don't feel as classic to me. But this one, and I know it's go, it's over 10 years old now, so it's already kind of a new classic. But, um, like, it just hit as soon as I saw it. Like, um, as one of my favorites within the last, I was going to say within the last 10 years, but it's, what, 13 years old? So, um, uh, 12. Close. 12, yeah, there you go. Um, so, it's... It's a fun one, and the soundtrack's fun, and you know you get some new songs to add into your Christmas mixes, especially um, the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy song. Um, even the theme song, the remix theme song, the Bowling for Soup is fun, and I, it holds up. Like I said, you, it definitely has so many callbacks and references, and it's the form of a Phineas and Ferb episode if you're a fan of the show, but you don't have to be to enjoy it as a Christmas special. No, I certainly did. And y'all can watch this on Disney+. Plus. It's hiding in Season 2, Episode 22 of Phineas and Ferb. Any final thoughts on Phineas and Ferb Christmas Vacation? Well, I mean, just the... I really like the very, very end where uh, Perry puts the hat back on uh, Frosty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like the very closing thing. And like the plow, he, he look, comes back again and sounds like it did, did the same thing. But no, this time he's actually hit a vegetable cart full of full of vegetables. Inexplicably in the middle of winter. Yeah, and says, don't follow me. Could have gotten hurt. <laughs> And on that note, if people want to walk into your home and continuously sing until you feed them, where can they find you, Brandon? You can find me on Twitter at BrandMed. And James. I can be found on Twitter as well at your buddy Spooky. But uh, again, I said this during the uh, during the Halloween is Grinch Night episode. Uh, if you do follow me, please be careful not to jump into, I have, I'm, I'm in a very long, very, 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 very big, um, mega thread. You probably don't want to jump into that because you'll be trapped forever. Like I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's all of Twitter's a mega thread. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter in and out of mega threads. I'm never. At Fall West Mike and Advent Cal House, you can find complete show notes at adventcalendar.house. Don't miss the next exciting episode in a couple of days. Until then, for Brandon Medley and James Riley, from the rest stop house I built on the roof of my existing house, this is Mike Westfall saying, careful of the icy patch. And now, these messages. Hey, 
It's Christmas! Hello, this is Adam from Merry Britsmas. I am a Christmas fanatic from the UK who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies, to Boxing Day, to Wham, to Slade, to the Royal Family, to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas, or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, check me out at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... I'm done.